Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day to you all. I love hearing the, the little voices I hear in this room and seeing the faces. Uh, this is one of my favorite days of the year because it's when I get foot rubs and shoulder massages and lots of food and relaxation, right? Right? No. Okay. Well, happy Father's Day to all you dads. Uh, it's a very special day to remember uh, not just uh, the things you've done, but the responsibility that you've been called to in raising up the next generation to know and love the Lord. There's another reason we have to celebrate today, and part of that, or that is actually celebrating Juneteenth Day, which was yesterday, and it's a day that we as a nation remember the final, the last breath of, of putting an end to slavery officially Amen. in the United States. Absolutely worthy of applause. But it's also a reminder, as with any celebration, that the work's not done, right? And that there's work ahead of us that we continue to, to strive toward peace and unity in our nation as a people. So those two things, Father's Day and Juneteenth, uh, raising up children and racial uh, peace and equality, two very large tasks. And we come to this Sunday really to focus on the Lord, but as I was preparing for this morning, I thought of this passage in in the Psalms. And actually, I'm just going to read two verses from Psalm 121 to uh, invite us into this time of worship. The psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Let us not forget that. Dads, let, not, let you not forget the fact that you cannot do what you need to do without help from the Lord. Amen. May he be the source of your strength and your wisdom. For all of us, as we think about not just celebrating uh, the, the, the decision to end slavery, but the work ahead of us, May we lean not on politics or, or, or our own experience, our own thoughts, but on the Lord to guide us in seeking His will and His peace to rule in this land. So as we do that, the best way we can turn to Him for help is in gathering together to worship the Lord. And we do that now. So let me pray to invite us into this space. Heavenly Father, this truly is holy ground. It's holy ground because you are here with us. The scriptures teach us that where two or more are gathered in your name, you are there. And so we praise you and thank you for not being a God who is distant and aloof, but is near and imminent and close to us. Lord, as we guide or as we direct our hearts and minds to you this morning, may you meet us, take hold of us, and lead us further into your heart. Strengthen us, give us wisdom, so that we might go out, that the dads might go out and be fathers to the next generation, not just their own biological children, but other youth that need a father figure in their life, a Christ-centered father figure. And Lord, we pray that you would work in our nation. Lord, it's, it's great to be able to celebrate this moment in history where the, the Union troops finally reached the last part of the United States and declared freedom for all. But Lord, as much as it would be wonderful to fully celebrate that, we know the reality is that that work was not done. And so Lord, I ask that your church would lead the way, that, that your church would be an example. 
example of true peace, divine, heavenly peace in this land. That we would not be led by our own thoughts or ideas or preferences, but we might live in the example of Christ and consider others' needs ahead of our own. And so Lord, use this time of worship to shape and mold our hearts and minds after you. For it's you that we have come to celebrate, to rejoice in, to believe in, and to follow. We pray these things in Jesus' name.
you, God. We praise you, Jesus. I repeat that. Speak that out. Praise him this morning. Speak that out. We have a decree. It is to declare. Over and over and over, if you search that word, declare, it says, declare his good works. Declare his righteousness. Declare his steadfast love. Who here has benefited from a good work from the Lord? Amen? Amen. Who here has seen his steadfast love? When your friends, when your family have turned their back on you, did he? I can't hear you. Amen. 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 He never fails. Who here has known his goodness, his righteousness, his patience to all the nations? It says, declare to all the nations, to every people, to every tribe to every tongue that he is faithful. Water, earth, and sky The heavens are your tabernacle Glory to the Lord on high God of wonders beyond your Lord of heaven and earth 
sun, God of wonders, God of wonders beyond our galaxy. the Hugheses, the Millers, and the Russells. If you will, won't mind coming up and joining me over here. And as they, uh, yeah, as they make their way up, uh, we get the chance to celebrate something with them. But it's more than just a celebration in the sense that we say, yay, we're here. It's a celebration of our hearts and minds where there's a, there's a commitment, there's a relationship, there's an acknowledgement of uh, something we're going to be doing. Hughes, would you join us up here as well? Woo! Yeah, all of you. I want all of you guys. This is going to be a party. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, and as they're coming up, I want, us to, I want us to think about something. There's this moment in Scripture in the Gospel of Luke when we're told that when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses... They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, what's being spoken of here is Jesus' parents. When the time came, Jesus' parents brought him to the temple in Jerusalem to dedicate him to the Lord. Amen. Now, we don't have a temple that we worship in. Our, the, the, the temple now is within our bodies. But as a church family, we're acknowledging that there's a moment, that there's an intentionality on the hearts of parents that they bring their children before the Lord. We don't travel overseas to Jerusalem and, and, and do it that way. In the, in the spirit of our hearts and minds, the depth of our soul, we come before the Lord and we dedicate ourselves to the Lord to say, Lord, we want to raise our children to know and love Jesus, to trust in him and to follow him all the days of our lives. And so we as a church, we celebrate this. This is a very significant moment in a family's gathering, in a family's life. And the church family plays a part in that. And so this is actually one of my favorite times. I, I can't wait until all our concerns over COVID are gone. There's no, no one's is uncertain because when that day comes, I get to hold the babies and kind of walk around. Even if they're crying, I'm going to let them cry because I want to hold them and show you all who these children are. But I want to I introduce you to them before, uh, before we say a prayer for each of them. So first of all, we have Emmett over here, Emmett Dole Hughes. Now Emmett, 
You, yeah, you hear me talking about you, don't you? Right? We're looking at you, buddy. You've got quite the life ahead of you. Yeah, he's adorable. I can't wait for you guys to get to meet him and know him. Emmett, I want you to hear something. Look down this line, buddy. You've got a line of family members who are going to walk beside you and encourage you. They're going to protect you. They're probably going to give you some, some uh, calluses and some thick skin along the way. Yeah? yeah. No, okay, they already have. Yeah. That's good. That's kind of part of your job, right? Right? Not too much, though. Yeah. So that's a, that's, that's a dad talking. Probably not the wisest thing for me to say. I'm sorry. Uh, but listen, you guys, you guys have an important role here because he's your little brother, Right? So it doesn't just mean you teach him the fun things. You also, your life, your walk with Jesus will help point him to Jesus as well, okay? So I want you to hear that. And Emmett, you see Clayton in the, in the yeah, he does. Emmett, over here. I know Clayton's cooler looking, but I'm over here, right? You got this, buddy. We're going to be praying for you as a church family. So make sure you get to know the Hugheses. Make sure you come and say hello to them and, and certainly to Emmett. And Emmett, one of these days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to pick you up and hold you and give you a hug, buddy, okay? So we'll be back. This is for you guys to hold on to for later. And then I'm going to come over here. I want you guys to meet Ray Long Miller. Ray, how are you, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> Maddie is the proud big sister. Ray is a miracle child. You have endured some significant challenges already, buddy. And we praise God for that. You are a blessing. You'll know it someday. We'll see it in your, in your personality as you grow. You're going to be a strong man. I know it already. But you need to know that we've been praying for you before you were even born, and we're going to continue to pray for you, just as mommy and daddy will pray for you and lift you before the Lord each and every day. And, of course, Maddie, I'm looking at you, too. You're going to be a good example for your big brother. You're going to tell him about your friend Jesus that you've been learning about? Yeah? Awesome. He's going to need that. He needs you, not just to play hide and what was not hide and seek. What was it? Peekaboo or hide and seek? You played peekaboo on the way in. He's going to need you for that, but he's also going to need you to tell him about your friend Jesus. Okay. All right. So I'm going to give you guys this to hold on to for now. And now, this one. I'm going to come over here. Oh, you look like a little bundle of snuggles right now. I want those snuggles. I want your snuggles too, Ruby. But I'll get there. We're we're warming up to yeah. She's like, listen, don't look at my sister. You're protective of your sister, aren't you? Yeah. Listen, as you grow up too, I know you, you two are going to get into some trouble together. I can already sense it. And you're going to use your sweetness to get out of that trouble. And it's going to work. So I'm saying this to you now before you fully understand the meaning of my words. But know that we're going to be praying for Jordan. Jordan the, by the way, this is Jordan May. I got lost in the snuggles, the, the beauty of it. This is Jordan May. She's how many weeks old? Ten days, not even weeks. Ten days old. Oh, my goodness. And she is adorbs. That's, that's, for, for those that don't speak the young, young people speak, adorbs means that's cool. That's, she's beautiful. She's adorable. She is beautiful. Jordan, we're going to be praying for you. I know you're, you're napping right now, so just imagine that I'm talking to you. Just imagine the meaning of these words. But we will be praying for you. And Ruby will be praying for you to be the big sister that God desires you to be. I'm going to go, I want to uh, pray for them. But before I do, I'm going to ask a few questions for them. I'm going to put this, yeah. 
Before uh, I pray for each of these children, parents, I want you to, I'm going to ask you some questions, because this is specifically a moment where, uh, as much as we are praying for your children, this is a moment for you, where we are asking uh, some things of your heart and your intentionality. And so, parents, I'm going to ask a question for all of you at the same time. You can answer along with me. Parents, do you recognize that your children are a gift of God, that he's entrusted to you to be raised knowing him through you and through your relationship with your father? If so, answer, we do. We do. do. Awesome. Is it your intention to raise your children in such a way that they might know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and as someone who they can surrender their hearts to and trust in a personal way? If so, answer, it is. Awesome. Awesome. And then lastly, we believe that parents are the primary people responsible for discipling their children, and this is no light task. Do you commit yourselves by God's grace and with his help to being an example in the faith, not just telling your children how they might trust Jesus, but showing them with your life and your love what it means to trust in Jesus? If so, answer, we do. And before I pray for these children, I also want to ask the congregation, families, I want you to look out on the congregation. Congregation, I want you to understand that this is a a responsibility we share in, that there's an aspect of us praying for these children and praying for their parents, but there will come a time where you're volunteering at VBS, or you're you're, uh, bringing a meal to the family, or you're teaching a Sunday school class, or whatever it might be. I want you to understand we share in this responsibility. And so I'm going to ask the congregation today... To, to, to listen to this, or to, to, sorry, to speak this pledge with me. So we're going we're gonna to recite this together. Read along with me. We rejoice with you and give thanks for the gift of your child. We promise with humility and seriousness to share in your child's nurture and well-being. We will support by our example and words, your efforts to provide a loving and caring home where trust in God grows and Christ's way is chosen. Uh, I may have just backed you guys into this, but guess what? That's more than just being teachers and examples. That means when we work through conflict, when when we uh, encourage one another, when we speak with one another, our words matter, our hearts matter, not just because of that moment there, but because the next generation is looking upon us and wanting to see a Christ-filled example of what it means to be shaped by Christ and to be living in faith with Christ. And so, uh, thanks, for, thanks for pledging that with me, even though I didn't say that on the front end of things. Emmett Dole, I would love to pray for you. I'm going to sneak up behind you, see if you... Oh, you did find me. Let's pray for Emmett. Father God, we thank you so much for Emmett Dole. We thank you for the young man that he already is. We thank you for your hand in providing him and protecting him. We thank you for the the life you've given him and the, the plan you have for him. We know that you've already planned out every step that he will take. And so, Lord, I just, I pray for his parents that they, as they endeavor to raise him to know you and love you, that you will strengthen them, that you will give them your peace, that you will remind them that you are with them, guiding them and directing them. 
Lord, we thank you and praise you for the, the gift it is to, to, to come around this family and, and uplift them before you. Bless the Hughes family, we pray. Bless Emmett Dole Hughes today and always. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Emmett, I can't wait for you to meet the people of the church. You're going to love them. I do. So hopefully you will too. I'm sure he will. Make sure you guys say hi to Emmett Dole. I like his middle name, by the way. I really like it. And Ray, can we pray for you? Yeah? Yeah? Knuckles? No? Okay. Let's pray for Ray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for Ray. Lord, he tr- he's, he's truly a gift to Kent and to Cheryl, to their whole family. Lord, uh, in every moment of question and concern, you were there. Your hand has been upon him. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for your provision in his uh, growth and development. We pray you continue to, to be with him, to guide him, that he'll grow up knowing how deeply you love him and how you are there to shepherd him through life. Father, I pray for Kent and Cheryl that you would strengthen them and give them your wisdom to parent him well, to parent him, not in this world's eyes, but before you, Lord. Just guide them, I ask, Lord, and pray. Give their hearts peace, knowing the gift that he is to them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Oh, he's got his arm around you. That's like, ooh, I love that. All right, and Jordan May, she's still asleep. All right, you just have to wake up when I preach, okay? Deal? Deal. Ruby's like, no, that's no deal, no deal. Let's pray for Jordan May. Father God, we thank you so much for Jordan. What a gift this beautiful little girl is. Lord, I I see it in the smiles on her mommy and daddy's faces. I see it in uh, the pictures of seeing her with her big sister. Lord, thank you for the gift that she is. Thank you for uh, bringing her here safely to us 10 days ago. Wow, it's so amazing to think, Lord, of, of what you can do in 10 days. Lord, unite this family in Christ. Strengthen them. Give Kimby and Robert uh, not just the wisdom and knowledge, but the, the strength and the perseverance to raise Jordan in the fear and admonition of the Lord to walk with you and to trust you each and every day. And Lord, for Ruby to be that big sister that she wants to be. Bless this family, I I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, families, thank you so much for allowing us to uh, celebrate with you. We love you guys. We'll continue to pray for you. Church, get to know all of these families. (laughs) Sit down, guys. You can go and sit down. I tickled your toes. Thanks, Ray. Bye, buddy. High five. Stare down, staring contest? Okay. <laughs> as, the, uh, as the families go back, we're going to sing one more song. One more song that just sort of puts into perspective all of these relationships. Right? That's me. Is that me? Okay. Let's see if we can fix that. Emmett's ready to sing.
are Lord of creation and Lord of our life, Lord of the land and the sea. You know what? We're going to start over because that's the wrong key. I got all, got all excited about the kids. Kivy, there we go. There we go. You may remember this one. It came out about 35 years ago. But it's a lovely, simple tune. It glorifies God. It's easy to play, easy to sing. So stand with me this morning. As we sing, we bow down. And Lord of my life, Lord of the land and the sea. You are Lord of the heavens before there was time. And Lord of all, Lord, you will be. We bow down, we bow down, and we worship you, Lord. We bow down, and we worship you. Down and we worship you, Lord, Lord of all, Lord, you will be. You are King, you are King of creation and King of my life, King of the land and the sea. You are King of the heavens before there was time, King of all. This is honestly one of my favorite Sundays, especially getting the kids up here and, oh, <laughs> speaking the of kids. The kids. <laughs> oh, man. I was, I was like even thinking of it before I came up here. Kids, you're dismissed for Sunday school. <laughs> That's okay. One of these days, my brain's going to wake up. It's Father's Day. I feel like I get to go on vacation for a day, right? Um, anyway. So over the past few weeks, we've been, we've been looking through this series called God and Culture. And, and it's this series that we've been discussing this idea of, of us being 
culture builders, that God's created us to, to create and build culture in many and various ways. Some of us uh, as artists, whether musicians or painters or sculptors, others of us in the, the uh, business world through excellence in leadership and finance and, 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 and even thinking about uh, um, building and growing the identity of a company, the values and the and, and the purposes of a company, right? There's many different ways that we can build culture in our families. And, and God has a purpose and a design in building those cultures through us. See, I, I think <clears throat> what we're trying to talk about is that culture itself presupposes a creator, one who, who's called us to create and cultivate the culture, our, our Christian faith holds firmly to the belief that this is by design, that God creates, and, and he creates us in his image, and as creations in his image, we're, we're called to go out and be like him, to represent him, to, to reflect him by also creating. Now, God creates out of nothing, but we create out of the raw material that he's created. And, and with those things that we create, we reflect him, we, we, we reveal him, we we let the world know about this power behind creation. Have you ever written something or painted something that you're really proud of? Some of you stand back and you're like, oh, man, that's good, right? Maybe you made a, a dish that you can't help but take a picture of because you're like, wow, I, I did that. How cool is that, right? Or it's a food that, that you like to make, and, and so y- y- you want other people to eat it and, sh- and share it and also say, man, that's, this is good, right? If you think about it, there's evidence of God's fingerprints on your life because, because he's created you to take pleasure in creation. I love when, when someone says that my kids are a little mini-me, right, when they, they look like me. It, it, it's like this is how God loves when we reflect him in cultivating that, that, the culture that he's placed us in and, and when we care for that. God, God loves when we reflect his image in the creation he's placed us in. And like God, we take pleasure in what we help to create. We're told in, in the creation narrative, in the very beginning of, of Genesis, when God creates, he says, uh, Genesis 1, 3 through 4, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. Now, typically, we read through the creation narrative, and we read through it in the sense of how God created, what order God created. But I don't want us to miss this, because this tells us something about who God is, that he's a God who takes pleasure in creation. There's a reason why we take pleasure in looking upon beautiful things, because we've been created in the image of an artist. And through his creation, through the canvas of his creation, God speaks to us. He reveals himself to us. In our passage that we're going to be in this morning, I want you to notice. I want you to notice how God uses art to communicate his salvation plan. Our goal should always be to understand how God is speaking to us. We should always desire to, to hear what God is speaking to us as his creation. But, <clears throat> but all so often, we tend to misunderstand or misinterpret or miss what God is speaking into our lives, right? 
You have people debating about uh, translations of passages or their understanding or which version of the Bible they prefer. It happens, right? We're the created ones. We're not the creators. And yet when God speaks to us, he speaks to us in a number of ways. His word proclaims throughout creation, but not just in our Bibles, but in the canvas that he's painted for us in, in the world that he's created. So if you have your Bibles handy, turn to gospel, the Gospel of John. We're going to read uh, just a few verses in chapter 3. And if you don't have your Bible handy, feel free to listen as I read along for us. It's going to be John chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. He says, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Father, we thank you for your word. We know that you are speaking to us, that you are revealing yourself to us through the scriptures. But, Lord, we are human, and so we ask for you to interpret your words in our hearts and minds. Translate what we need to know and understand about you, that we might have not just a deeper head knowledge of you, but our hearts might, might follow you more faithfully in trust. Speak to us through your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's important for us to think about just now is Jesus coming down from heaven is a big deal. Right? It's no small matter that, that Jesus, the Son of God, came down from heaven to dwell with man. It's one thing for the people of Israel to, to worship in God's presence by going to the temple, like Jesus' parents did when they dedicated Jesus to the Lord. But to have God descend from heaven and dwell among mankind is, is something altogether different and, and very special. Now, I don't think it's any surprise to, uh, to us that I'm a fan of NASCAR. I've talked about it a number of times. I've, I've, I've shared probably this more embarrassing corner of my life, but I'm a big fan of NASCAR, right? I love, love watching a race. And my favorite driver to watch is Joey Logano, who's from uh, Middletown, Connecticut, just up the road. A few years ago, uh, I had the opportunity to attend a, a, an event he was holding in Wallingford. And, and, and while I was there, I got to get my picture taken of him. And we have this, this picture. You can tell it's a few years ago because that little boy in the middle is my oldest son, Alex, who now <laughs> towers over his mother and is close to towering over me. Uh, he looks terrified too, by the way, doesn't he? Like me and Joey are like, yay, and he's, he's like, what's about to happen here? Anyway, I, I, it, it's, it was such a special moment for me, right? To be able to stand here with a man that, I, that I, I've been looking up to and, and so excited to see him race in, in, in these different races and, and whatnot. It was something different about being able to meet with him in person. And so we have to think about this, but when Jesus left heaven and came to earth, something very special was happening. It was not just a matter of us getting to know some superstar from a distance, but that God was revealing himself to us in a very special and unique way. Rather than God's people getting to know of God through priests and prophets, through, through, through narrative and history passed down to them, through spoken word, God's presence was now with man in a very unique and special way, through God being with, him, uh, with, with us himself through the person of Jesus. Now, 
I totally recognize Joey Logano on TV, right? I've seen him a number of times. I've seen him do interviews. I, I know who, who he is. But you know what they say? The, the camera adds 10 pounds. So seeing him in person, he looks like a different man to me. I got to know him in a different way. Getting to meet him up close and personal in that way gave me a different knowledge of him that I wouldn't have had otherwise. In John chapter 3, we're, we're given this moment in Jesus' life when when. when we get to see God in a way that we wouldn't know otherwise. In fact, Nicodemus comes to know Jesus in a way he wouldn't otherwise know him apart from the Son of Man descending from heaven to make himself known. Now, Nicodemus was a ruler who, he, he knew the power of, of his position. He was one of the religious rulers and, and, and knew what came with that. And so, he, he, he also noticed that there's something different about Jesus. He visits Jesus in the night, and, and he says, Jesus, listen, we know, I, know that you're, I know that you're from God. I know that there's something unique and different about you, but, and I'm paraphrasing, I just don't get it. What, what's, what is it about you, right? See, Nicodemus wants to understand that, that the power of Jesus, understand what is it about the power of Jesus, but he just, he doesn't, he can't connect the dots. He's, he's struggling to understand. See, Jesus tells him that only those who are born again into the kingdom of God can know and understand this new revelation that Jesus brings to the earth in descending to be among men. But Nicodemus just can't understand this spiritual reality. He, he, he struggles to understand it from a human perspective, from, from a perspective that we all share in general. He struggles to understand this spiritual, heavenly, eternal reality. He just, he, 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 he can't understand what Jesus is talking about. Can, can you relate to that? Is there a time in your life when you can think about something that, that it's, the information is right in front of you, you just can't wrap your mind around it? It's, you know, with young kids in the public school system, that's the way it is for me with Common Core Math. I, I just don't understand it. It's not the way I was taught. I can't wrap my mind around it. I'm pulling whatever hair I have left out, right? The birth that Jesus was talking about was very difficult for Nicodemus to understand because it was a birth that was on the spiritual level. It, it was on a, an eternal heavenly level, and, and Nicodemus was thinking on a temporary level. See, to understand what Jesus is talking about, one must be born by his spirit. Born by God, born by His Spirit and by water. Water symbolizing the cleansing of our sin, the cleansing of our guilt, the cleansing of the shame that we carry around inside of us. And so there's really nothing Nicodemus could do to be born again, only to receive this new life that he's offered. Right? I mean, when a baby's born, a baby can't really do anything. The, ba the baby gets evicted because of the contractions a mo mother's body is doing to push him out or her out, Right? So it is with us, with being born spiritually, we, we don't really have a say in, in doing it. We only receive the new life that's given to us. And yet, even after hearing all this, Nicodemus is like, hold up, wait, wait, what? Right? And I don't blame him. I mean, it, it, does, it, is, it does take some uh, spiritual uh, download of, of information and knowledge and, and explaining to truly understand what Jesus is talking about. And, and that's exactly what Jesus does in our passage. Look at verses 10 to 12 with me. 
Jesus answered him, are, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Right? He's saying, like, Nicodemus, you've studied the scriptures. You should know what I'm talking about here, and yet your mind still can't connect the dots. Right? He goes on and says, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? See, there's, there's this struggle that Nicodemus has. He, he's got a problem. It's a vision problem. He, he's not, it's not the kind of vision problem that can be corrected with new glasses or contact lenses. It, it's, it's a vision problem that, that finds its root in the man's heart. He, he can tell that there's something significant going on here. He wants to know and understand it, but he can't do it. Because of this, the, the fact that he, his, his spiritual eyes, the eyes of his heart are faulty. He looks out from there and all he sees is blurry. He doesn't see things clearly the way God wants him to see. And, and, and what we have to, what I hope we understand is that this is true for every one of us on the planet. Every one of us have been impacted. Our, our sight has been impaired. And, and every one of us though we may sense that there's something significant in front of us, cannot tell what that is apart from corrective lenses. In the, uh, in the nerdy world of theology, this is called general revelation. This is the idea that God's divine nature can be witnessed by all of creation, but it's an incomplete picture of what that divine nature is. You look at the order of the cosmos, the, the rising of the sun in the east and its setting in the west. See the seasons of our world and, and, and the inherent beauty of spring flowers bringing forth or budding forth from the ground. You, you think of uh, leaves changing color in the fall. All of the, these things whisper of a divine power and create, creator behind them. King David wrote, about a, wrote a song about this in Psalm 19. And he, he, he talks about how creation cries out every day and how their speech points back to their creator. In other words, the very act of their being points back to one who created them, the power and the nature of one whose artistic hand painted creation with such beauty and meaning. God literally signs the artwork of his creation with his own character. And every time you enjoy that sunset, every time you, you marvel at the power of, a, power of a hurricane or snuggle up under a blanket on a snowy day or, or, or hold a newborn in your hands, you can't help but acknowledge the power of, of a greater and more, more powerful creator beyond this, this object or this experience right in front of you. Every time you feel the urge to post a, a, a picture of that sunset on Facebook or, 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 or some accomplishment your kids have made, every time you, you, you want to share this with other people, it's giving witness to the fact that, that there is this whisper in your heart of the divine that the world can relate to, that, that they can connect with. They too can look at something that's being created and say, mm, that's good, just as God does in creating the heavens and the earth. You've been created to enjoy what is good. You've been created to enjoy what is beautiful, even if you don't yet understand the power that's behind that beautiful thing. 
Paul puts it like this in Romans chapter 1. He says, for what, we can, for what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his in, invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. None of us have an excuse, right? Uh, we, there may be different worldviews of belief, there may be those who believe there is no divine power, that, that creation happened by mistake, but they don't have an explanation for the power and the majesty uh, and the order of something like the birth of a child or, or the rotation of the seasons, the way a, a, a plant can die in the fall, be dormant, and then come to life in the spring. There are worldviews that, that, that recognize that there's some power, but they can't put their finger on the source of that power. Paul's saying here, the world is without excuse for knowing and acknowledging that there is a God, a powerful God, a beautiful God, who's created and wants his creation to know him. See, God is speaking every day. He's revealing himself to the world every day. And our art, our culture, the things we cultivate, they too join in creation in whispering of a divine creator. It has the, the potential to signal to our world that, that God is real, that, that he's powerful, that he's at work in our world, that he's changing things, that he's influencing our culture that he's shaping our relationships with others because Christ in me is, is working through me to influence the culture I'm at work in. But it's, it's really just a whisper. Now, I say whisper because like Nicodemus in John 3, the world can't truly understand what it's seeing and experiencing apart from Jesus doing a work of correcting the lenses of their heart. See, this is why Nicodemus wasn't understanding. Jesus performing the signs and wonders he did and the, the teaching he, 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 t he taught with authority, it made Nicodemus stop and wonder and say, there's something different about this man. He's special. He must be from God. Maybe he's a, a prophet. There, there's something unique about him. I recognize that there is a power behind this man that cannot be explained by human hands or human minds. But he just couldn't make sense of it without help. And the reason he needed the help was because his relationship with his creator was broken. The line of commu communication between the creator and the creation was broken by sin. We know this story, right? We attribute it to Adam and Eve in the garden, but it's not their fault. It's the same thing that we would have done. It's the same thing we've continued to do since the garden to turn our backs on God and say, I, I know better, God. I, I don't need you to correct my lenses. I'll find my way. We take five steps and then like fall off the stage or something like that, right? And time and time again, the same cycle that it was for Israel is the same cycle for us. We cry out to God for help. He helps us. We say thanks. We take five steps and we trip and fall down the stairs again. And then we cry out to God for help. He helps us graciously and lovingly, picks us up, we follow him for another five steps and trip and fall down the stairs again. It's the same thing we do time and time again. See, sin doesn't just mean the bad things I've done or thought in my life. Sin is a characterization of this world apart from God. 
It's assuming that we're, we know better than God, that we can, we, we can make better of this world without God. We don't need him to correct our lenses and see things the way he intended them to be. We're good enough on our own, right? That's what sin is. That's the character of sin in this world. But the reality is no amount of trying, no, 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 many, um, no matter how many more chances God gives us, we're still going to trip and fall down the stairs apart from his help. No amount of trying harder on Nicodemus's part to understand was going to make him understand what Jesus was talking about. Jesus had to descend from heaven. God had to descend from heaven to be with man, to correct the lenses of our hearts, and to teach us and give us a, a way forward to follow him, that we might see this world the way he's created it, and know how to walk in it, know how to live in it, know how to build more culture the way God intended for culture to be built. See, I, I kind of liken it to, uh, to my relationship with Miss Kimby's cookies. Right? Oh, is she in here? No, she's taking care of... Jordan, you, took my, you stole my thunder, Jordan. Um, but for those of you who don't know... Kimby, uh, Kimby Russell works in our office. You guys met her a few minutes ago. She sings from time to time up front. She's married to our youth director. But most importantly, she makes cookies that are out of this world, right? They're, they're, they're soft and thick and chocolatey and gooey. They're simply amazing, right? You want, you want to treat yourself sometime, ask her to make you uh, chocolate chip cookies, right? I eat one of her cookies and I stand back and it's like, oh yeah, God, these are good, right? You echo God in creation when you, I mean, as much as it sounds like I'm kidding, right? When you, when you acknowledge, man, this is good. You're echoing God in creation. You're, you're, you're reflecting his, his character, whether it's food or uh, the beauty of a sunset, whatever it might be. For me in that moment, it was, man, this is good, right? But, but that's all. I don't really know anything more about Miss Kimby just by eating one of the chocolate chip cookies. In a similar way, we can't know more about God just by acknowledging the whisper of his divine order, his divine power and creation. See, I, I think it's important that we take notice of these whispers. We don't just take a, a snapshot, post it on Facebook, and move on. But, but we sit and rest in these moments. We think about God. I may not know more about uh, Kimby by eating one of the cookies, but, but I do know that she makes a really good cookie. So the people of this world may not know more about God, but there's something that they notice. Their eyes are caught. Their minds are, are triggered when they see these things and think that there is a power behind this creation. See, the, the world we live in gives glimpses of God's divine character, his beauty and majesty, his grace and his love. But, but really, apart from God himself showing up and peeling away the veil of sin that's over our eyes, making himself personally known to us, we just won't understand. You cannot know God fully apart from Jesus Christ, apart from Jesus showing up and, and not just telling you, hey, I'm Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, apart from Jesus showing up, dying on the cross, coming back from the grave, and inviting us to believe in him and follow him. 
Again, in, in the, the nerdy world of theology, this is known as special revelation. It's God specially and uniquely making himself known through the Son, through his Son, Jesus. And, and through Jesus dying on the cross, coming back from the grave, and, and, and correcting that line of communication between creator and creation. Paul penned a, a pretty famous song in Philippians 2 known as the Christ hymn. It says this, Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and, and, uh, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. For us to know God fully, Jesus had to come down he needed to take upon him the weight of the sins of this world, die on the cross, defeat death and the grave, and come back to life so that we too might have life, new life, born of spirit and water, where that line of communication between creator and creation is complete. Our lenses are, are fixed. We can see God more fully in not just creation, but in his order and his design through his word, through his people, through the church, through his spirit revealing himself to us in his design and, and, and in life. And he does that so that, so that every person who kneels before Jesus, who looks to him, We'll see God clearly. Now, seeing God clearly, clearly is not just an even more pretty sunset. It make, it, it's, it's seeing God clearly is making sense of the world, making sense of our lives, making sense of eternity, knowing where we are to go, knowing how to follow him. All of this, these are things that we do not accomplish in our, on our own or in our own effort, but with that line of communication fixed with the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And for that to happen, the Son of Man had to be raised up and exalted. Nicodemus struggled to know God personally, and yet he was drawn to Jesus by these signs and wonders, these, these God whispers. Jesus is trying to get him to understand who he is, and Nicodemus is just hitting a roadblock. And so, so Jesus tells him, he tells him who he is, but to do that, he uses the medium of simile and the media of art. Jesus likens who he is to this moment in Israel's history that's recorded in the book of Numbers. Time and again, Israel would be rescued by God for their, their, their stubbornness, their wickedness, their evil ways, their, their uh, willingness to just walk away from God. And, and time and time again, Israel would, would forget God's protection and his provision, and they would complain about things. That was kind of like the, the narrative of their time in the wilderness. They, they just wanted to complain about life in the wilderness. I mean, I, I probably would do the same if I was them. But so God lets them have their way at one point. He says, okay, fine, you want to do that, go for it. And these poisonous snakes invade the camp. 
And, and as the snakes are biting the people, the people are getting sick and dying, and, and, and now they're crying out for help. And so now Moses prays for the people. He says, God, have mercy on them. And God tells Moses this in Numbers chapter 2. The Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. He would look at the serpent that's been raised up and exalted. The New Testament language that's used around this is the very same language that that implicates Jesus' raising up on a cross and being crucified. And as a result of that, being the way, the truth, and the life that God has determined. He's exalted so that, uh, that every knee should bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So in this medium of simile, this just as, just as um, they looked at the serpent in the wilderness and lived, so they will look at Jesus raised up on the cross and live. The simile of that moment, the art of words and the, the, the art of sculpture, the media of art God reveals to those people, his plan of salvation. See, the the bronze serpent symbolized God's way of saving those who were under the condemnation of their sin and were suffering from its effect. There was this idea that anything that was was, uh, hung on a a wooden uh, uh, tree was under a curse, a wooden pole that was under a curse. Sin was hung on this pole, was now under a curse. And, And that anyone who looked to God's means of salvation would be saved from the poisonous serpent's bite. So when Jesus says in John 3 that as Moses had to lift up the serpent on the pole, so the Son of Man has to be lifted up, Jesus is referring to the healing power that was being made available to mankind through his own crucifixion. Do you understand how God can use art? Do you understand how God can use culture? But by art, I'm not just saying paintings or sculptures. There's there's many different forms of art that we can turn to. And I think that it's not just the sculpture that God has in mind, but it's our use of culture to communicate that there is a God who has a plan, and his plan has a means of saving those who are hurt and broken and far from God. To them, it's just a whisper, but to us, we have a means of bringing more clarity because we carry within us the Spirit of God who is able to connect the dots, who is able to bring new life into those who are dead in sin. In other words, the new birth that Jesus was trying to get Nicodemus to understand was a direct result of faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, was a direct result of man looking upon Jesus raised up and exalted on the cross. (laughs) But get this. He uses art. He uses a sculpture to communicate this truth. He he uses this use of simile, the, the use of our words, poetry. Do you realize that your poetry could be a whisper of the divine? What you create is a whisper of the divine. And God is able to work in and through that to start a conversation, to carry on uh, you know, the thoughts and questions that are running deep in a person's mind and heart. 
He uses that bronze sculpture in Israel's history to depict his plan for salvation that anyone in all of creation who looks to Jesus might be saved from sin and death. Now, our salvation doesn't happen because we enjoy the beauty of a sunrise and and acknowledge that there's some higher power behind that sunrise. We don't worship creation, right? We worship the creator of creation. And that's where these whispers become valuable because they become, uh, they become an important step between the gospel message and helping those like Nicodemus who need to understand the meaning of the power that, that stands in front of them. See, the bronze sculpture was, was the means of God's solution. Later on uh, in the Old Testament, we're told that King Hezekiah actually has to destroy the bronze serpent. Why? Because the people of God started worshiping, almost as if there was magic in this bronze serpent. I mean, we, we would do that, right? You could see that. We think, well, if I pray this way, I'll be saved. If, if, I, if I do these things, I'll be saved. It, it's almost like a, um, a magic spell. If I, if I do it in this order and in this way, then I'm good, right? But that's never what God intended. The bronze serpent, the sculpture, was just a means through which God's grace was poured out on the people of Israel. Jesus' resurrection is a means of God's grace being poured out on mankind. His death and resurrection is is eternally significant for us. The the significance of Jesus descending from heaven and dwelling among man was necessary that we might receive this gracious means of salvation. And, and Jesus helps Nicodemus to see that through his use of a sculpture, through his use of art. See, the culture we cultivate whispers of a divine creator. All of mankind can hear its whisper. In our paintings, in our songs, we whisper of a divine creator. In our, in our management, in the office, in our leadership, in our, our grace, in our forgiveness, we whisper of a divine creator. Uh, to be patient and forgiving really requires supernatural help. And so for you to be a gracious, patient, and forgiving leader, whispers of a divine creator at work behind you. The cultures that we cultivate whisper of God. All of mankind can hear its whisper, but still, it's just a whisper apart from Jesus. Eating one of Miss Kimby's cookies is great, but it's, it's a small amount in comparison to the platefuls I can have if I get to know her as neighbor and friend, right? Many people in this world who sense that there's a great divine source of power and healing, uh, but they, so, they, they sense that, but they, they can't see him. They can't know him. They can't understand him as God apart from Jesus. Trinity, God speaks to the world today through the things we create. The things we create and cultivate, they they point to a deeper meaning. They point to a higher power. And God wants to work through us and through our creation to reach a world that's discontent with the whispers of the divine. They're discontent with just enjoying a beautiful sunset. Or, or a picture on the internet of, of, a, of something they've done and created. They'll never be content in those things. Their contentment comes only through knowing Jesus Christ. 
So how does your life point to Jesus? How does your life, the life you've cultivated and are cultivating, point to the power beyond yourself? How does your excellence in the workplace point to Jesus? How, how does your innovative and entrepreneurial ideas point to God's kingdom culture? How are you intentionally building relationships with others and allowing Jesus to be seen and heard in those relationships? See, the Christ-centered culture you cultivate in your family holds Jesus up so that people will look not to you or to your family. That's not the thing we want people to worship, but to the power beyond you, the power that's at work in your family. These are the opportunities that that are throughout our culture that we have to, to, to make the divine power of God known, to make the gospel of Jesus known. So the question you have to ask yourself is, for whose glory are you living? I mean, really ask yourself that question. Because there are people, in, even in ministry, who are living for their own glory. They're not really living for God's glory. That, that's actually, I struggle with that at times. Am I doing this because I want to hear man's praise, or am I doing this for God's glory? Am I doing this because I want people to, to hold me up on a, well, not really hold me up on a pole, but do I want people to, to look to me to be saved or do I want them to look to Jesus to be saved? Whose glory are you living for? Are you living to see Jesus raised up and exalted in our world? Paul tells us in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Church, let our creation, let every part of our creation, let every part of the culture we cultivate be done to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we, today we, we pray and we, we bring before you our gifts, our abilities, our passions, the tools we use to cultivate culture, we, we bring them before you and we offer them at your feet. Lord, discipline our hearts not to seek our own glory, but to seek your glory alone. To, use, to, be, to be used by you, to be whispers of the divine that in our lives people might draw near, ask the question about the power beyond us, and that the Spirit of God might reveal himself to those people because we were participants in whispering of the divine power. Use us, Lord. Use our lives. Use our leadership, our, our, our skills, our, our artistic abilities. Use our role as parents and friends and neighbors. May we intentionally take part in whispering of the divine, that you might be glorified, that you might be raised up and exalted so that one day every tongue confess, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus truly is Lord. We pray this in his name. Amen.
bow down and we worship you, Lord. We bow down and we worship you, Lord. We bow down and we worship you, Lord. Lord of all, Lord, you will be. and king of my life king of the land and the sea why king of the heavens before there was time king of all kings you will be we bow down we bow down and we our King, we bow down, and we crown you our King. We bow down, and we crown you our King. King of all kings, you will be. We bow down, and we worship you. We bow down and we worship you, Lord. We bow down and we worship you, Lord. Lord of all, Lord, you will be. We bow down and we worship you, Lord. We bow down and we worship you, Lord. We bow down and we worship you, Lord. Lord of all, Lord, you will be. Happy Father's Day, everyone. It is a joy to worship the Lord with you um, as we prepare to head out and celebrate uh, the rest of our day. I just want to encourage you to know that your work has purpose and meaning. God is visible in the, the work of your hands. Don't lose sight of that. Wake up every day driven by that fact that most important is that you have a chance to whisper the divine and then God will do the rest. He'll do the work of connecting the dots with the people in your life as we lift before them, lift them before them, and lift them before Him in prayer. Hey, before we go, I just want to remind you that uh, we are having a laser focus going forward on on being a, a church that that shares the good news of Jesus Christ. That we want to be a church that that has such a lasting impact that is living in such a way that Jesus is the the love of Jesus is overwhelming and transforming the families of our community. If you want to be a part of that, if you want to help us to do that, we encourage you to, to, one way that you can do that is to give to the work of the gospel here at Trinity. You can do that in any way of four ways. You can give it online. You could uh, go through the app. You can give in one of the generosity boxes that are either at the back of the sanctuary or on the way out the door, or you can mail, uh, mail your uh, gift to the church. Either way, know that these gifts go specifically toward driving us uh, without, without hindrance or pause or regret toward being that church that proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ, to being that divine whisper as a community and allowing Jesus to work in us and through us. So 
Again, happy Father's Day. I love you guys. I'm so excited for being able to dedicate the, these children, their, their families to the Lord. Now receive the benediction. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Go in peace.